listening to the Redemption Outreach Center's Rockcast. As always, we pray that this will enrich your mind, strengthen your spirit, and serve you in the building of your faith. This is the last service until the new year. The last service in the year 2018. And so it's, it's, it's easy to begin to reflect and if you have already begun to reflect on the, what's happened in your life this past year, you're either going to be happy or you're going to be sad. But it still doesn't change who God is. And so this morning I, as I was trying to seek the Lord, even yesterday, last night, <clears throat> trying to seek the Lord what to do this morning, I just kept hearing this phrase in my spirit, and it's this that you see on the screen. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And so I'd like for us to go to the Gospel of Luke this morning. The Gospel of Luke chapter 24. I just want to speak for a few moments on that topic. Don't lose heart. Tell your neighbor, don't lose heart. Luke chapter 24, if you will, please stand for the reading of God's word in honor of it. We appreciate that. We're going to start at verse number 13. And this is after the crucifixion of the Lord. And in verse 13, we find ourselves, it says, And behold, two of them, there's two Jews, were going that very day back home to the village named Emmaus which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began to travel with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing who he was, who Jesus was. And verse number 17 I don't, I, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, until this morning about 7.15, I never realized this. But it said, and he said to them, what are the, these words that you are exchanging one with another as you are walking? Basically, Jesus was like, what are you talking about? You're, I, I noticed you were communicating back and forth as you were walking along your journey. Jesus shows up and he says, what are you talking about? And this is what struck me. They stood still looking sad. They stood still looking sad. Would you pray for me? Father, in Jesus' name, I need your help, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, have your way. Touch us today. Touch our minds and our hearts to receive the word of God. Lord, help me. Help me to preach your word as you would have it. Father, I pray for your anointing to be stirred in our lives. God, that your presence would be manifested in Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. But there's two guys, two Jerusalem, uh, two guys walking back from Jerusalem to their home, Emmaus, which is seven miles journey. And while they were, they were discussing the things that they had seen happen in Jerusalem, talking about the crucifixion of the Lord. They had seen Jesus open the blinded eyes. They'd even seen him raise the dead. 
heal the leper, make the lame to walk, turn water into wine. They seen him do all these great things and they just knew that their Messiah had come. But what they were not expecting and what they did not understand is the crucifixion. You see, they believed that he was the king. He was now the new king and he was the king that the scripture had promised. But then when he was crucified and he was put into a borrowed tomb and the stone rolled in front of it, they left Jerusalem wondering what in the world is going to happen. They were disappointed. It said that they were exchanging words. They were in a, uh, communi communicating back and forth. They were discussing the things and the events that had happened in Jerusalem. But they were discouraged. It said that they were looking sad. Look to your neighbor and say, you look sad this morning. About 90% of you look very sad this morning. But you know what? To understand this, it's because we deal with life. Has anybody in here ever had something not go as planned? Can I, I'm feeling lonely today. Can you raise your hand and say, uh, there, there's things that did not go as planned. You see, they, they thought he was going to set his new kingdom up and everything was going to be great and they were excited, but they could not understand his crucifixion. They did not understand. Hey, look, their eyes were even blinded that the risen Savior was talking to them. They were discouraged. They had lost heart because what they had in, envisioned to happen did not happen it began to start that way well here's a guy that can here's a man that can walk on water he can open blinded eyes he can raise the dead surely this is the messiah he's going to set up his new kingdom and we're going to reign with they were excited but they did not understand when he died and so they were leaving disheartened they had lost heart. They didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus showed up, as I said, and said, what are you talking about? And they, did, they could not even recognize him. Do you know today, there's many Jews that still don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah? They're still blinded to the fact that he's already come and he's about to come again. I read an article by Tony Evans and it said this. After the crucifixion, they embarked on a seven-mile walk back to Emmaus. They discussed what had just taken place, trying to make sense of it all. Jesus was supposed to deliver them from oppression and usher in a new glorious kingdom. In short, disappointment takes hold of them. Has anybody ever been disappointed before? Jesus appears as a stranger to these discouraged disciples and he asks them, what are you talking about? To put it another way, he wants to know how they feel and they give him a, the unvarnished truth of their sadness. We know their pain. We know, we've experienced disappointment and discouragement before. When the bills pile up, when the bank account shrinks, Maybe you've wondered, where's God even at in all of, all of this that you may be going through? 
Maybe your marriage is becoming stale. Maybe the job that you have leaves you having a sour taste in your mouth every day when you clock in and clock out. Have you ever found yourself thinking like God, uh, thinking like the God of the universe has abandoned your ship? In those moments, we might do well to remember that our friend Jesus sticks closer than a brother. That was an article that Tony, Dr. Tony Evans wrote. And I thought it was befitting about the message, do not lose heart. There's so many things that don't go as planned. I mean, how, how many can testify with me today that just a simple trip to the grocery store sometimes does not go as planned? In fact, maybe some of you this morning would get up and put your shouting shoes on if, you, if I was to say this, and that is getting ready for church on Sunday morning doesn't go as planned many times. But in all of this, we cannot lose heart. God has never left our side. He has a plan to see us through even the most discouraging circumstances. While we may not always understand why we go through such seasons in our lives, we can take comfort in knowing that the Lord causes all things to work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. I want to give you a little illustration. I read this and thought it was funny. There's an old legend that tells of how on one occasion the devil, now this is an illustration, this is not true, okay, but that the devil put all his tools up for sale. You know, tools like hatred, envy, jealousy, lying, pride, several other items. He put them up for sale. Yet there was one of them that stood out above the rest. It was worn. You could tell it had been used many, many times. And one of the buyers pointed out the item and asked, what is the name of that tool? The devil answered with a proud look in his face, that there is discouragement. And the buyer asked, why have you priced it so high? The devil replied, because it's more useful to me than any other tool that I have. It's badly worn because I've used it so much. Think about that, discouragement. Oh, we can see it all throughout the Bible. In fact, I heard this one because I am a still, Amy and I, we still attend in seminary, and I thought it was kind of funny, so I'll share this one with you, another illustration. There was a seminary student leaving seminary, and he was discouraged. And he was discouraged because when they were, uh, they were doing a study on the Red Sea and how that the Israelites walked across the Red Sea and that the, uh, uh, all the Egyptians were swallowed up and killed by the water. And it was, it was stated by one of the theologians that, you know, where there's a certain time uh, uh, that this actually, that the water wasn't separated, but it was a time where the water was only like two inches, so they were actually able to walk across. You know how everybody's trying to justify the word of God, you know, and there are some theologians out there that try, tries to figure everything 
out. And, you know, so this seminary student walked away and he was feeling discouraged because he's like, well, you know, that doesn't seem much of a miracle that that uh, that there's an actual reason why that part of the Red Sea would 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 be uh, 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 so shallow that you could actually walk through it. So he went to church. He went to a Sunday school class. And I'm making most of this up as I go. But he went to Sunday school class. And when he got to Sunday school class, the the teacher noticed that he was so sad. And it just so happened that that the lesson that day was about the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea. And so uh, they asked why. And so the seminary student thought he would show off his, his knowledge. And he, would, he began to share how that it was possible that the water was only two inches uh, high. And that's how they were actually able to cross. you know. And, but you could t- still tell he was so discouraged. And then all of a sudden the teachers began to break out in a shout. And began to do the Holy Ghost helicopter right there in the classroom and shouted all over the classroom. And the seminary student said, I just don't understand. Why are you so happy about this? And then the teacher said, Why I'm so happy is because it doesn't matter if it was two inches or if it was dry, because if it was just two inches, then that means God could swallow up two million Egyptians and drown them in two inches of water. Discouragement. No matter which way you look at it, it comes out the same. When you look at Elijah, you look at a prophet of God, a man of God that faced discouragement many times in his ministry. You remember when he was at Mount Carmel and they built an altar and he was, he was going against the prophets of Baal and he how they built an altar and they danced and cut themselves and, and all this stuff. And he mocked them as they did it because he said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And so, uh, you, know, you know, he teases them, he antagonizes them. And, you know, and then when they're all finished, he rebuilds the altar and he pours buckets of water, digs a trench around it, just soaks it right up. And of course, God answers from heaven. He prays. God answers from heaven and licks up all the water and, 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 and just licked it all up. And fire fell down from heaven. Then they killed the 500 prophets of Baal. He had victory at Mount Carmel. All of his energy drains from him and then terror strikes his heart. You see, he flees for his life. He flees south to Beersheba, where he leaves his servant and on into the desert in 1 Kings 19. Exhausted, Elijah sits down under a broom tree and begs to die. He just had a great victory. But then he begs to die. Why? Because of discouragement. Instead, he sleeps, and when he wakes, hot food and fresh water is awaiting him. God is still taking care of him, even though he is discouraged. He eats, and he sleeps again, and eats again. And then he travels for 40 days and nights to Herob, the mountain of God, which many believe that's Mount Sinai, He travels 40 days and nights and gets there. The number 40 in the place Sinai show us that Elijah could be following the steps of Moses. 
Moses led the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness and met with God at this mountain. Does Elijah, is it possible that Elijah spends the night in the same cave where Moses hid his face from the glory of God when God's glory passed by? It is said it could be the very same cave. Why is he even there? Elijah, the man of God, had a great victory, but then discouragement strikes his heart. I don't care how anointed you may be or we may be or whatever or how blessed. All it comes down to is the devil will take out of his tool belt that discouragement tool and we can have a shouting Holy Ghost service. But before we get to our, park, uh, our vehicle in the parking lot, discouragement can grab our hearts and we'll wonder where is God and we'll forget that his glory just passed in front of us. I really wanted to preach this, but I don't feel like it's that kind of mood this morning. So I'm going to teach it. Elijah could be in the same cave where Moses asked God, Mount Sinai, can I see your glory? And God said, you can't see the front, but he let him see the hind parts of his glory as he's passed by. But here's Elijah having a great victory finds himself discouraged under a tree, then he goes to the cave, and what does God do? In verse 9 of 1 Kings 19, he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? If you're dealing with discouragement today, maybe because of what 2018 has, has brought to your doorstep, Maybe everything didn't come to pass that you thought would. Maybe you, you had some events that didn't happen or things that happened, events in your life that you were not expecting and you find yourself wondering where God is at. Even if you're in the cave like Elijah was wondering, God, why don't you just go ahead and take me now? I'm ready to die. He just defeated over 450 prophets of Baal. He ran faster than a horse in a chariot. He was on such a spiritual high, he ran faster than King Ahab to get to the mount. But then he's asking himself, God, I'm the only one left. That's what he's saying in the cave. He said, God, I'm the only one. Go ahead and take me. You know what happened? Elijah is scared of a woman. He's scared of Jezebel. Because what he was thinking is, now that I killed her prophets, she's going to come after me. Fear gripped his heart. And he began to run. And God asked him, what are you doing here? He was scared of her. Even though he had, he'd recently seen far greater power from God, fear still gripped his heart over one woman, Jezebel. He is consumed with self-pity. He sunk into, into depression or breaking under stress. Elijah expresses all these condition, conditions as he confesses that he feels persecuted and totally alone. God invites his prophet to stand outside the cave. Now that's when it's hard for a preacher not to preach another message right there. God couldn't show him what he wanted to show him while he was sitting in the cave. God invited him to the mouth of the cave to show him the thunder, the earthquake, the lightning, the wind. 
And God said, I am in none of these. But then a still small voice, and some say even no voice, no sound at all was made for the voice of God. But God said, I'm not in any of these things, which is merely just his creations. And then and there, a gentle whisper, perhaps even silence, God spoke to him. And again, God asked the question, and Elijah pours out his complaint and fear to God. Then God clearly and firmly shows the way ahead. He directs Elijah to anoint two kings and to appoint Elisha as his own successor. Elijah is to take heart. God's purposes will continue to unfold and triumph. He is preparing a new generation of leaders to do the work. Because he said, I have 7,000 faithful Israelites, a perfect number, who are praying that it will be accomplished in Israel. God's plan will always come to pass. So I said all of this to say this. Do you feel discouraged today? Don't lose heart. Did you feel like you got passed by? Don't lose heart. Do you feel like you got passed by for promotion? Don't lose heart. Do you feel like that your kids are still going to drive you crazy until they get saved or your grandkids? Don't lose heart. Are you tired of the doctors changing your medication from this to that and you keep having the reactions and you're waiting for God to heal you? Still don't lose heart. If it seems like none of your prayers have been heard, do not lose heart. I like what Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know not that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And y'all know one of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. That's all of my notes. But now I want to share from the heart. It's time that the children of God quit. Stop. You heard me say it last week after Pastor Don preached a wonderful message. Stop it. And there's certain things that as we close out this year that keeps coming to my mind and my spirit even when, I, when I'm praying about the service and I don't know how all these things are going to fit. And, and you know, in times past, I've went through the list because I save every message I ever preach. I went through the list in times past and picked about 20 of them and just spoke the titles of messages that's been preached behind this pulpit, uh, you know, that year. I didn't do that this year. But I can tell you that there's been some Awesome messages from God preached behind this pulpit. Not just from me, but from others, several other people. God's given them word. A word of God to preach to the church. But many still leave each and every week being discouraged, wondering where God's at. Wondering, God, I thought you told me to do this, but now my life is in, 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 you know, just in a disarray. God, where are you at? Has anybody ever asked God, where are you at? 
There's several people in the Bible that have asked that same question. Remember last week when I began, when I closed after Pastor Don preached, and I talked about the the the, the, the lame man or the man at the pool of Bethesda, how that he allowed his experiences to keep him from getting into the pool. His excuse was, "I don't have anybody to help me in. As I'm coming, somebody else always gets in before me." And before long, it has become his life where even Jesus himself self asked him would you be made whole and he makes an excuse we find ourselves there too many times in our lives when we feel like God is going to move and we feel like God's given us a word but we uh, it's not completely how many of you know God will rarely speak very clearly to you he will at times but most of the time how he works in my life is I'll have to filter it through the thing called faith and discern which what exactly is he, is he saying? You see, but many times if you're like me, maybe you're not. Maybe I'm just preaching to me, but that's okay. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. The plans of good and not of evil. And to give you an expected end. Well, God, I want to know the plan. I'm not as analytical as my wife, but I still want to know. You know, if it was Amy, she wants to know when it's going to start, when she should arrive. I'm, I, how many is hearing me? When does it start and when should I get there? When it starts. <laughs> I was wondering if any of you caught that. How long are we going to be there? What do I need to bring? What's going to be going on? When is it going to end? And when can I leave? When it's over. But I'm just saying, so many times in our lives, we treat God the same way. God gives us a word. It could be just a glimpse, just a seed planted in our hearts. It could be something that was preached. It could be something that was sung or just something that the spirit, while you were in church, planted it into your heart, a seed of hope. And you're wondering, when is it going to grow? When is it going to come forth? When are you going to birth that spiritual baby? And we get impatient and we get discouraged. God, I just don't see... I don't see people being saved. I don't, I don't see this happening. I don't see that happening. And I can tell you, I have been, I've been discouraged in the past, and I'm not discouraged right now because I know God's got a plan, but I can tell you it takes me getting some alone time like I did yesterday, clearing my head and trying to figure out, God, I don't know what your plan is, but I'm just here to say, God, here am I, send me. I don't need to know how to do it because if he sends me, he'll tell me how to do it. If he, I don't know, I, if I'm not capable of doing it, he'll make me capable of doing it. He'll make you capable of doing it. We cannot be discouraged. If you go into the new year feeling discouraged, your year is going to be full of discouragement. But if you leave the 2018 behind you and you celebrate the good times and the good things, because not a one of you in here can't say not one good thing happened to you this year, because that would mean God's a lie. But at least one good thing happened to us, and we need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate that. As a church body, we need to celebrate that almost 500 people came through the doors of this church when the event was completely changed 
at the last minute and we had to reorganize everything. But God's will was done. I can tell you, as many others, me and Amy having conversations, her and I disagreeing on what we should do. I know y'all don't ever disagree with your spouse. Trying to figure out what do we need to do. Because as a pastor, I've got this side that wants to do one thing. And not all of them will say it, but there's a couple that will. And I've got this side thinking we should do something else. Not all of them will say it, but a couple will. And then you've got those that just think you shouldn't have did it to start with. And I've at least got experienced enough in ministry that I try not to let those things discourage me. And what lifts my head out of the drowning water is God, I will still do whatever you want me to do if you'll change one life. Because many times we get our eyes off of why we're doing what we are doing. There's times that I get my eyes off of what I'm doing and why I am doing it. Because somebody needs to hear what I have experienced. Somebody needs to hear what you have experienced. They need to hear your testimony. Your testimony of how you felt like you couldn't do it and how you felt like you were overwhelmed and how you felt like like David in Psalms 3. Lord, how is it that they are increased that trouble with me? Many there be which say of my soul, there's no help for me in God. But thou, O Lord, you are a shield about me. You are the glory and the lifter up of mine head. You see, David knew what it was like to have an enemy encamped around him. Maybe we need to be like the prophet when the servant woke up and he looked up to the hills and he saw he saw that there was many many that was against him but the prophet said God open his eyes that he may see there be many for us than they that be with them and God opened his eyes and he seen the chariots of fire round about you see it's not my battle it is the Lord's and how I fight my battle is I've got to get myself out of the cave or the pit in which I put myself because it didn't go as planned and because I didn't happen the way I thought it should happen or maybe because it doesn't have as much fruit as I thought it should have I've got to pick myself back up and say God I've got to get out of this pit of discouragement and I've got to get to the place where I can hear you and that place is on the edge of the cave edge of the supernatural and the natural you've got to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh got to walk in the spirit but those that are led of the spirit are the sons and the daughters of God see there's many people that were disappointed but it's time we start disappointing our enemy say I know look I'm 42 years old I got silver hair I'm overweight I'm undereducated. <laughs> trying to be educated, but still stay, say things wrong. I say done when I should have said did. She corrects me all the time. Some of you correct me every mistake I make, and I'm just so excited 
because that means you're listening to every word and all of you should be like spiritual generals in the kingdom of God because you've listened. Amen. Amen. How many has ever been discouraged? I'm closing right here. How many has ever been? Look, I know in my spirit in, the, in my office this morning that there was many people within our church family that is facing discouragement now. And we have become professionals at putting a facade on and acting like everything's okay. I'm here to tell you as pastor that me and my wife are praying, seeking God because we're in disarray. I don't know what God wants. I don't know what he's doing. But something I do know is he's telling me, he's asking me, what are you doing there? Come to the edge of the cave where we can see. See, if you, if you stay in the pit and if you stay in the cave, your sight and your vision is limited. But if you come to the edge of it, then you can see all. Does that make sense? Some of us need to just go ahead and lick our wounds, put band-aids on it and say, you know what? I'm going to continue on with Jesus. I'm going to focus with Jesus. I'm going to let discouragement be gone. And when that, that, that discouragement comes upon you, do something that makes you happy. Do something that makes you happy. Can I, just, can I just pastor you for a moment? If you find yourself depressed, do something that makes you happy that's not sin. I had to say that now. Do something that makes you happy. That's not sin. <laughs> it's a shame that you even got to say that in today's church. I mean, for I mean, really, it's a shame that you got to say that. But it's the truth. Do something to get your head straight. Because if you continue to look at this world and how this world is and what's going on in this world and the government and all this other stuff, when, when there's eagles that's got more rights than unborn babies and when, you know, all this uh, racism and all this minority stuff, and I don't mean to belittle any at all, but look, everybody thinks that they're owed something. Even the white man thinks he's owed something. We all deserve hell. If it had not been for Christ dying on the cross of Calvary and if it had not been for him shedding his blood, we'd all be going to the same place. But now we have a decision to make. We can make heaven our home if we live for him. Or we can make our eternity in hell. It's up to us. But I'm ready to put discouragement to sleep and lift my head and make my face like flint towards the cross of Calvary. Say, God, what would you have? Because I feel this. And if you'll stand with me, that helped me close a lot. Because this message did not go the way I intended at all. No, I'm not losing heart. Because I wanted, uh, look, I hadn't preached in two or three weeks. So I was wanting to, I was wanting to get with it. But sometimes we have to slow down and look at and evaluate. You know, Amy, this is something her and I have done ever since May of 2005. Every year at the beginning of the year, her and I as a family, as a couple, as a unit of one for ministry, we sit down and we have a conversation. And it may be more than one conversation. And you know what that conversation is? 
Is what we are doing effective? If things we are doing are not effective, and we're talking about in our personal lives and ministry, if they're not effective, then we've got to do what Jesus taught in the parable. We've got to cut it off. When a new fruit can grow. I don't think it's a bad discipline for us to look at our lives and figure out, God, where are you moving where I can join with you and get in the vein of your spirit and flow where you're going? Now, look, I know some of you are saying, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you, Pastor. You know, God's telling me to go start a ministry in Hawaii. I'm feeling you, Pastor. You know, the Michigander saying, you know, God, God, I'm feeling you. You tell me to go start a ministry in North Carolina. <laughs> you know, that's all fun and well. But honestly, what can be cut out of our lives that we can be more effective in ministry for God as a church body? Maybe it's less complaining. Maybe it's being more committed, more faithful. It's not always about cutting something off. It's also about adding things and adding disciplines to our lives. Because I believe that 2019 is going to be a year where there's new things born. And God's glory is going to be manifested. We'll, 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 Lord willing, we'll preach the first Sunday next week. But this is what I feel. I feel that there's going to be prayers that have been prayed for many months, weeks, and even years that are going to be answered in 2019. But I'm here to tell you, it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. Are you going to be prepared for it? Are you going to be ready to do what God has called you to do? Who knows? Where's all the leadership that's in here? Raise your hand. See Josh back there? Heather, Claire? Dustin and Amber? Dustin's raising his hand. Yeah, she, she did down here. I love picking on her. Um, let me ask you something. What if God decided to take one of these couples to another church for ministry? How would you deal with it? How would I deal with it? I take at least two weeks that I need to be alone and don't contact me. <laughs> and then I'll be okay with it. I'm just being honest with you. 2019, I feel, is not going to be a year like we've seen it in the past. Things are going to be different. And we've got to prepare ourselves for it. And we've got to be able to say, God, here I am. Use me. God, here I am. Send me. Amen? Whatever it is. If it's cleaning toilets, clean the toilets. If it's cleaning up after events, clean up after events. Whatever it is, God, I want to do it. Can we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you for listening to our Rockcast. Be sure to listen to other episodes and share on social media. For more information about our ministry, visit the ROCCOG.com. Dot com.